the idea of walking around the field and seeing thousands or tens of thousands of little buzzing robots blowing yeah. bubbles is not it's not really where I want to be. Yeah, it's not where where you picture the world. To... No. Not at all. I pictured us figuring out a way to stop killing all the bees with technology. Welcome to Hey You Know It. My name is Jaquetta Sotmari and I'm here with my co-host Katie Kazmir. Hey You Know It is a podcast that tells you how it is or how it should be. You can listen to Hey You Know It on iTunes, a new episode every Monday. And here they are, Jaquetta and Katie. Hello, okay. listeners. Hello, listeners. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Hey You Know It. As, yeah. <laughs> as, Katie is going to kick off with some barnyard news. Yes. Yes. This is something I didn't know really existed. And, um, <laughs> okay. It's I'm just, ready. It's kind of the to stuff. Have my mind blown. Kind of the stuff of nightmares. Um, it, <laughs> snakes. <laughs> Great. Do you know some snakes can fly? Yeah. No. no. Yes. Uh, there is a paradise tree snake that can glide from tree to tree. And How I was, do you mean? I, there's video of it. It flings itself off a branch and then glides. And it can go for, like, it's supposed to go from tree to tree, but it can go anywhere. But, like, what do you mean by glide? Like, in my mind, it just, like, kind of, di- like, falls onto another tree. But glide yeah. implies that it's, like, on the... On wings a, of some kind the wings on top of, of air. Yeah, it says, okay, a certain species of tree snake can glide through the air, undulating their bodies as they soar no. from tree to tree. That wriggling is an attempt to replicate how reptiles slither across land or, th- or swim through water. The contortions are essential for stable gliding. A mechanical engineer, Isaac Yeaton, and colleagues reported on this, and they said they have the the ability to glide and it's pretty spectacular. I, I don't Is know it? if that's the word. <laughs> yes. Spectacular. Um, I don't know, like undulating. I don't like any of this. Yeah. So they, these tree snakes, they fling themselves from branches, leaping distance of 10 meters or more. And, what? and as they go through the air, they like, the, and it's all recorded, the snakes twist and turn and they kind of flatten themselves a little bit to catch the air. And um, so they're learning on the job. Is I think we need to stop this now. <laughs> Otherwise, in a in a, a hundred thousand years, we're all going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. So what these scientists did they they um they they got the snakes and they affixed reflective tape on the snakes' backs <laughs> and then used high speed cameras to capture the motion. Um, I wonder if the snakes were like finally someone's <laughs> taking note. You know, of all of this that's well, going yeah, on I've, here. I've been pimped out and they're filming me. <laughs> so they, they discovered this, yeah, the snakes flatten their bodies as they leap. Yeah. Um, and it's like a complex combinations of movements as they soar. And I tell you what, they undulate, they go side to side and up and down and they move their tails above and below the level of the heads to, to kind of like, you know, really catch that air. Um <laughs> I just, it's hard for me to imagine something that's shaped like a snake catching any kind of air, but I mean, they're doing it. They're doing it. So what they're looking like, it it really looks like they're undulating like they do on land. So just picture Mm -hmm. that going through the air. No. And it's not like, oh, they, they slipped and fell and now they're like, you know, struggling, (laughs) trying to. Taking advantage of it. They're they're not flailing. They're actually like, they're doing this intentionally and they're wiggling 
rotating. Are they making any noises while they do? Are they hissing as well? Oh, God. I hope not. <laughs> but if they do it wrong, if they don't wriggle the right way, then they fall. They fall? They fall like head over head. <laughs> to the ground. How embarrassing. <laughs> You're already doing something very, very showy. Yeah. All right, everyone in the jungle is looking, and now this business. One wrong flick of the tail, and you just, wait, and like in a circle? Yeah, and then you're, yeah, a you're drum just roll or something? Yeah, you're just yeah. head over tail. You're just tumbling down to the ground, and I'm sure it hurts. but It can't be pleasant. No, but still, it's like... Uh, uh, That's bizarre. <laughs> I feel like there's an evolution, you know? Eventually, one stake is going to fit either... Uh, like I don't know maybe some sap and then like a bird uh, feather will fall onto it or something you know what I mean like, yeah. I think there's going to be some innovation at some point like the, one of them is going to figure out that if they bring two leaves with them yeah right and then they like, can hold them on either side of their mouth or you know yeah, right. they can <laughs> they can kind of control it a little bit yeah they're going to be using tools and then yeah. we're going to say oh gosh snakes and primates use tools yep. as well as otters you know, and they're just going to be added to the list of these tool making species. I think it's it's high time. I feel like the snake hasn't changed much over the uh, you know the eras. Right? Yeah, it's really hasn't yet evolved the way other species have. So maybe it's going to evolve like catch up really fast. Maybe it's going because like you, I guess you would go from slithering to maybe some legs, and they just they don't have time. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. They're probably going to sprout like little legs and be able to stand up. What I'm saying is I think they're going to skip the leg part and just try to figure out this flight situation. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. So to make up for lost time. No, they're going to get little hands and like little arms. Just little hands. Yeah. At the front? <laughs> little tiny like dinosaur arms. Just two. Yeah. That would be awful. And it would help them move along and then grasp whatever leaves in their hands to help them with mm -hmm. their Oh, with to their fly. Flight. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Now I'm okay with it because we've, you know, we've, we've innovated it enough. Snake hands. Ooh. Okay. So. Sounds like a jazz musician. <laughs> like. Snake hands. Old snake hands. Snake hands. Back. He's at it again. <laughs> you know. I like it. He glides his way over those instruments. <laughs> yes. The banjo, whatever it is. Um, um, so I have some Titanic news. Titanic, how can it be, how can there be more news on the Titanic than... It's just like with anything else, I, if you dig hard enough, and I do, you'll find, you know, new material. So this is a, the a lot of the stuff at this point for the Titanic is theoretical. Mm -hmm. right? So this is a disaster that took place in 1912. You might have heard of it, the Titanic. Um, generally, when we talk about the tragedy of the Titanic, the iceberg comes into play. That's supposedly what brought the Titanic, um, you know, to its end. But this mm -hmm. guy is saying that the Titanic sank due to an enormous, uncontrollable fire, not an iceberg. What? Yeah. So there's fresh evidence. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> fresh evidence over yeah. what? A hundred and twenty eight years. In eight years. Okay. Okay. Hundred and eight yeah. years later. So fresh evidence has surfaced of a fire in the ship's hull, which researchers say burned unnoticed for almost three weeks. No. Leading up to the collision. While experts have previously acknowledged that the theory of fire, that, that while experts 
have previously acknowledged the theory of a fire on board, new analysis of rarely seen photographs have prompted researchers to blame fire as the primary cause of the ship's demise. So some guy named uh, Senan Maloney, he spent 30 years researching the Titanic. He studied the photographs uh, taken by the ship's, the ship's electrical engineers before it left um, Belfast. And apparently in the photograph, you can see 30 foot long black marks along the front right hand side of the hull. Okay. Just behind where the ship's lining was pierced by the iceberg. Just behind where the, where the, the lining was pierced. Okay. Yeah. So I guess they're saying that that may have contributed. Uh, experts also confirmed that marks were likely to have been caused by a fire that started in uh, a fuel store behind the ship's boiler rooms. Now, I know the boiler rooms were implicated in this movie, right? Well, they showed... Wasn't that one of the problems? They had... No, not really. They showed the scene okay. of them, like, stoking, and, like, the guys working and keeping Well, that. apparently they screwed up. That was the whole thing. <laughs> but how could... Not the iceberg. Not the iceberg. Well, the iceberg was just actually the hero of the story, trying to get some water in on there. Maybe. <laughs> trying to throw a little water on things. Yeah. Um, they... So there's a documentary called Titanic, The New Evidence, in which Mr. Maloney claimed the ship was reversed into its berth in Southampton to prevent passengers from seeing the damage made on the side of the ship by an ongoing fire. So it's a little bit confusing. Okay. Um, I guess the fire started before they left Ireland. They sailed all the way to um, the U.S., right? No, they sound like no, sorry. they were in the... Sorry, they went from Ireland to Southampton. Okay. And apparently when they got to Southampton, they backed in so no one could see that it was on fire. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. They just... You know how you do. You just eat. You just pull the ship in the other way. Yeah. And nobody else... You no back in. No, no one will know. Okay. Um, they claim... Or Mr. Maloney claims it was a perfect storm. Fire, ice, and criminal negligence. Oh, no one my. has investigated these marks before. It totally changes the narrative. We have metallurgy experts telling us what you get when that level of temperature is against steel, and it makes it brittle. Oh. And it reduces the strength of the steel by 75%. And I bet you those Titanic metallurgists were thrilled finally. They were like, we, and we told you all along that the integrity of this ship was compromised by the fires. Yeah. They say... Uh, the fire was known about, but it was played down. She never should have been put to sea. Really? Um, an ex yeah, an expert. This is what Ray Boston, an expert with more than 20 years of research into the Titanic's journey. So 10 years less than Mr. Maloney. But he says that he believed the coal fire began during the speed trials as much as 10 days prior to the ship's leaving. So apparently the moment they built this thing, it caught on fire. And nobody was like, we need to put no this down. No one noticed. No one noticed. Um, oh my God. You know. I, I have a hard time with that. Was yeah. it that big or everybody was just like, F it. I don't care. I, well, they're saying that this was, I mean, it was in the boiler room. So presumably there are already a lot of fires afoot. Oh, right. So if it's like a so, small one. Yeah. Small one. Maybe it wasn't seen. Okay. <laughs> There's plenty of fires afoot on the ship. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So it, it wasn't, I mean, you heard it here, you know, it, apparently people are saying it wasn't the, the iceberg that took it down. Although that's what everyone on the ship who survived says. Mm -hmm. 
um, and there's evidence of that. It was actually a fire. Wow. That weakened the hull, allowing what I guess normally would have just been a piece of ice to become, you know, the downfall of the ship that would never sink. Wow. So it really did compromise that. They said 75% of its integrity yeah. was compromised. It was compromised. Wow. I think that I need to redo the film based on this. Yes. <laughs> it's a different, it's, it's a, a different, different story now. Yeah. It's a whole it's different story. Different. It's a different, this, this turns the whole story on its head. The ship on yeah. its head, the Titanic is, you know. The whole thing, the diamond, the Irish, everything is different now. Yeah. My God. For Titanic. Yeah. I, just to follow up on that, the the largest iceberg ever is about to break off, they say, any day now. It's about the size of Delaware. What? It's gonna yeah, it's, it's 5,000 square kilometers, about the size of Delaware. Um, there's a crack on the Larson Ice Shelf that's like 175 kilometers across, and there's only 13 kilometers left holding it on. Okay. What? So when that breaks off... Um, it's a piece of ice that's the size of Delaware that could be about 200 meters thick. Um, oh my God. Could float, could float away. Only 20 meters of it. So only 60 feet of this thing is above the water. The other 600 feet is below the water. How crazy is that? That's pretty crazy. So it's just going to float and like dissolve. Um, I don't know how this, like, it's huge, so it may take a long time. I think we should get out on there and try to, like, party on this thing. I think so. We could build, like, <laughs> we can have, like, the ice hotel yeah. on there. And, and who knows where it's going to go? We don't know. It's, like, destination unknown. Yeah. It's just, like, you've got a helicopter um, drop-off, right? Yeah. And then yeah. when you're ready to go, we just have to, like, call another helicopter, and they have to come wherever you are. Yeah. And just stay towards the center. Yeah. <laughs> They're saying that this uh, iceberg is not necessarily due to global war warming. It just might be its time. Oh, really? So this yeah, is like a natural thing that's happening. This is a, a natural current thing, it, um, they think. It's, it's just also going to be huge. 600 feet thick below the surface. Okay. It says it's going to be one of the most dangerous icebergs ever. So we better get a big ship ready. Yeah. So that's, I'm thinking about, uh, yeah, you're thinking about getting a ship ready. I'm thinking about like doing the Titanic, too. doing ice sculptures and shots off the ice. Yes. <laughs> Vodka shots the best way off of an actual iceberg. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's sad that a lot of the youth of today are not going to know the joy of the ice shots. Or I, I think the youth of today are also missing out on the vodka melon. I don't think people do that kind of 80s, 90s hijinks anymore. Oh, putting vodka in the watermelon and letting it yeah. marinate? Oh, yeah. Just take a bottle of pop-off, <laughs> carve a hole at the top of the watermelon, and stick the bottle on top, and then come back hours later. Oh, boy. That, yeah, that's really good. I had a, a, a watermelon sangria. Ooh. And ate the you made watermelon. No, no, I got it somewhere, and I was like, this is delicious. So... I can now. You're really wetting my appetite for getting. A I think huge... we should take a lot of melons out there to that iceberg and see what happens. <laughs> I feel like we need to invite like Polly Shore <laughs> and just see what happens. Just, just let get it go. real '80s with it. Yeah. The '80s iceberg. Um, it. What do we? What do we call it? What? Like house party, I guess. Yeah, and then we could wear. Um, you know, bikinis, but like fur hats and like 
boots. <laughs> yeah, fur right. boots, you know. Fur boots, right, that go up yeah. to your, like, knee. Or, yeah. And then, yeah, fur hats, bikinis. That's And then Ray-Bans, yeah. the 80s. <laughs> and the bikinis are going to be, like, that high leg, that high cut. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping that my bikini has a belt. <laughs> I'm sure. And not a James Bond one. It's just a regular, like a really thin Just a one. regular high-waisted belt, yeah. Yeah, we can, we can arrange that, and that's going to be our... Yeah. My goal is to make sure that my butt looks as long as possible. <laughs> it's going to be... That's the 80s, length. Length there, of the butt. We didn't have backs in the, no. in the 80s. It was just one long butt. Just one butt. <laughs> and then legs. And leg. Two pairs of uh, socks some Reeboks at the end of it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right, what do you have? Oh, like this 80s iceberg. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> You're listening to Hey You Know It with Jaquetta Sotmari and Katie Casmir. We're telling you how it is and how it should be. Let's see. You know, we were talking about bees um, and the whole idea. This was in another show. I'm just in hey, I'm like, what? Did I miss something? Yeah. bees i'm like icebergs yeah, the it, titanic it's always the it's the idea the the conversation is about the bees and the bees are dwindling and in yeah, number bee, like bee apocalypse apocalypse yeah and so without bees pollinating we're going to lose our food supply so it's like yeah. this is a big problem and so amongst our other problems that we have we have to keep an eye on the bees and make yeah. sure that they're okay nobody's hurting them and they can do their, their business so we can all eat um so, so there's like, you know, bees and other pollinators like butterflies are essential for farmers who grow flowering crop, fruit orchards and almonds and all that. Oh God. Almonds. Didn't even think about the yeah. almonds and all the Almonds apparently are some of the worst. I did some reading on almonds and the production of almonds. And I don't know if we should be doing that anymore. <laughs> it's that bad for the environment. Oh yeah. The amount of water that's needed I was to, shocked. Make, to make a, like your little almond milk. Oof, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. I've moved to oat milk. Yeah. So, uh, but with the bee population suffering, you know, due to all these variety of factors, one innovative researcher in Japan may have found the perfect solution. And the idea came to him while he was in the park blowing soap bubbles with his son. Okay. So he decided, he said he was able to successfully use soap bubbles to pollinate a pear orchard by delivering pollen grains um, targeting flowers in a delicate way, utilizing a drone that that get, that blew bubbles. Meanwhile, there's a small girl out there who's like, I could do that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. So it would be cheaper and more effective than other types of pollination. Um, mm-hmm. Except the little girl method. <laughs> yeah. The small girl method. That's only second to the actual, the B method, yeah. the original method. So they're using like robotic or drone delivery methods. So these, you know, putting the um, pollen grains in these soap bubbles and letting them go. Um, and he is, it, the quote is, it sounds somewhat like fantasy, but the functional soap bubble allows effective pollination and ensures the quality of the fruits are the same as with conventional hand pollination. I don't think that sounds like a fantasy. That sounds like a, a nightmare. You're telling me, sir, that we don't have bees. Yeah. <laughs> and right. instead of bees, we have robots. They're going to blow bubbles. Yeah, but these drones are like two centimeters long. And they're like, and they go out. So you don't even, you can barely see them. 
That's, I mean, I don't know about you, but the idea of walking around the field and seeing thousands or tens of thousands of little buzzing robots blowing yeah. bubbles is not, it's not really where I want to be. <laughs> it's not where, where you picture the world. To... No, <laughs> not at all. I pictured us figuring out a way to stop killing all the bees with technology. Yeah, but we but are now that's, that's pollinated yeah. with the, like a bubble gun attached to a drone. <laughs> yes. And they, the success rate of hitting their targets is like 90%. I'm sure. Um, what else do they have to do? I mean, the, the, this is the thing with bees. I guess they're really inefficient. Mm. Oh, <laughs> oh now we're going to, no, I, I, yeah. let's not insult the bees. <laughs> they're going to be like, I mean, that's, we're going to F off and go that's somewhere else. What the, that's what I feel like the, the scientists are, you know, they're going to start out thinking we're just going to replace the bees. And they were like, well, did we ever need those guys? <laughs> you know, what about honey? Bubbles are the new bees. Bubbles are like, are these drones going to produce some kind of honey? No, we you know, still know there, there are other reasons for a bee yeah, in this I mean, world the, than to pollinate well, for us. The weather has to be like, the weather is key. It says raindrops can wash away the bubbles, strong winds may blow them astray. So, can you imagine getting hit in the face with a swarm of those little drones? Pollen. That's what's going to happen yeah. when the wind picks up. Oh, God. You're going to get them caught, like, you know, you're going to be it's, having it's a gonna picnic. It's going to get in your car. It's going to get stuck in your car. Yeah. It's going to be little bubbles everywhere. In your hair. In your hair, yeah. In a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're talking and laughing right up your, right in your mouth or up your nose. <laughs> I, I mean, hey, haven't you ever had a bug go up your nose? Yeah. Or what if you you sit down or put your hand down or something, you know? And it's there. It's there. Mm. Scary. I don't know. And it's also, what about theft? What kind of theft? Well, won't people want to steal those little drones? Won't bees try to eat them? I mean, not bees. Won't birds try to attack them? Like, oh, you right. know. Yeah, birds will try to eat them, for sure. I would hope so. You know, but you know. maybe we can do something that um, we can coat them with something that, that the bird won't want to eat. Um, for instance, <laughs> I had some of that cheap chocolate, you know, those gold coin chocolates. Oh, those are terrible. Yeah, and so they were sitting there like forever, and I was like, I'm just gonna. Th- of course, because who would ever eat them? All right. I'm like, I'm gonna throw them out. And I'm like, you know what? Instead of just throwing them in the garbage, I'm gonna put them out in the park for the birds. Maybe they'll enjoy them or something. Did they bring them back to you? They kind of pecked. They they went one peck and they walked away from it. Like, nope, well, not eating it. They're like, this isn't even milk chocolate. It's not even milk based. <laughs> There's no cacao on this. No cacao. So. Um, but maybe we could do something like that. Coat the drones in chocolate and cheap chocolate. Nobody will eat them. Now, and now I think we're according another issue because there's gotta be something that secretly eats cheap chocolate. Oh, that's then going to come. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Birds eating them would be a problem for sure. Cause ah, yeah. the whole thing sounds sketchy to me. I don't think we're really going to be able to pull it off without bees. <laughs> I, I have my doubts. Hey, you, you know, know, we're just pedaling as fast as we can, trying to yeah. stay alive. This human race is not doing too well in 2020. <laughs> no. We are we're like really showing our ass with yeah. a lot of things. A lot of things. So um, it's summertime, and that doesn't mean that Hallmark TV originals are not still being churned out somehow. What? They have an amazing backlog of stuff. There's new stuff coming up. They have a um, vault. I'm sure they have, they have the a, vault. Yeah. The Hallmark vault. They, they must have a vault because they're still coming out with new stuff. Um, and I would be remiss if I didn't report on the Hallmark TV originals. 
uh, as I like to say, I've never watched a Hallmark TV original. I probably won't, but I really enjoy uh, reading about them and learning about what they're doing. So here's one that's coming up in August. It's called A Bridal Wave. A what wave? <laughs> a bridal wave. A bridal wave. That sounds hideous. Yeah. It sounds like As it. her wedding day draws near, Georgie Dwyer, played by Ariel Kebble, has doubts surrounding her plans to marry Dr. Philip Hamilton, played by David Hayden Jones. Oh. He's a dashing and prominent plastic surgeon. Oh. <laughs> He's really doing it for humanity. He's, you know. And how, I gotta say, how old is this guy? Is he like 26 and he's like... He, he looks like he's around 25. How can he have the experience to be a prominent plastic surgeon? What he can do with a nose. You know, you won't even know what ethnic group you're from anymore when he's done. <laughs> Dr. Philip Hamilton. So, though Philip qualifies as the quote-unquote perfect fiancé, Georgie feels a romantic spark is missing in their relationship. Tensions rise even further when Philip's sophisticated mother, Felice, played by Jacqueline Smith. Oh, Jacqueline Smith. <laughs> they hauled her. They dragged her out of retirement. They dragged her out. They're, it's like this role. Nobody else can play this role of Felice. No, no one else can look down on a young woman like Jacqueline Smith. Yeah. Um, so Felice blatantly frowns upon Georgie's working class or origins. On the picturesque island, Georgie keeps finding herself in chance encounters with Luke Griggs. So I guess he's the blue collar guy. Okay. Oh, no, not even. A handsome ex-architect who walked away from a high-end architectural firm to enjoy a simple no-frills life. So he's broke. <laughs> Living in his family's property. Okay. You know? a no, oh, really? A no-frills a no life on his family's property. That it's got to be because they're on some like fancy schmancy island where Jacqueline Smith is, you know, looking down her nose at everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, when an undeniable chemistry develops between Georgie and Luke, Georgie must decide if she's going to move ahead with the rapidly, rapidly approaching marriage to Philip in bridal wave bridal wave it's like yeah it's a, a, a consuming thing that yeah that's gonna hit everybody it's gonna nearby. wash up on this island and sweep away you know georgie dwyer so yeah i love the trope of you know finding the perfect husband and perfect this in this case just means he's wealthy yeah and he's a doctor they haven't said anything else about him. Like he's amazing at parties or he, he's a humanitarian. Yeah, he's he's like, raised money for children or really done anything. He's a plastic surgeon. Or that he has like th that kind of, um, what is it? That, that spirit, you know, where you like make everybody comfortable wherever you go. He's not that kind oh, of guy. He's not gracious. He's gracious. Thank you. It doesn't say any of that. It just says that she's working class. This guy is a prominent plastic surgeon and this working class girl, apparently she can't fall for just a regular guy because she falls into the arms of an ex-architect who just gave up everything. Now, when these people give up everything, they do get a golden handshake a lot of the times. A golden handshake? So like when you leave a, a high paying position, yeah. you, you don't leave with nothing. Yeah, right, right. I see what you mean. Like yeah. you were working there for years. You know, get the you don't, I never heard that term before. I, yeah. I you, when you're leaving, well, we don't, I guess we're not at that level. I mean, we'd have to be really high up in our jobs to get a golden handshake. Yeah. 
but it's kind of like, you know, a really fat severance, maybe some, so, you know, something. They don't just throw you out yeah. on the street. All right. Um, With only your wiles to defend you. In the- <laughs> yes. With just some plans that you had for, you know, a really innovative type of house design. Yeah. <laughs> this architectural firm. Yeah, so those are her choices. Some guy who's living an ascetic lifestyle in his family's cottage, or Dr. Philip Hamilton, whose mom's a huge B. <laughs> it's so, I, I would like to think that, I mean, not to be rude, but your son is a plastic surgeon. Does that entitle him to marry women who are only from a certain class level? I, you know, it's I a guess plastic a- surgeon. It's just a plastic surgeon. And what is it? If he is 26? All right. How old was Jack, the Jacqueline Smith character when she gave birth to him? I don't know. But, the, you know. But Jacqueline maybe Smith that's the... is like 70 at this point. Right? <laughs> right? So she's had a bit in her 40s. Yes. And this character. like giving... At this point, she's probably like, just hurry. <laughs> I don't care who it is. Maybe, but maybe it's the secret is that like he's so good at the plastic surgery. He works on his mom and she looks younger and he works on himself and he's always looking younger. He's really no, 40. I, I like that. Yeah, he's in his mid 40s. <laughs> his mom's been dead for 10 years. You can't tell. <laughs> but he looks like he's 26. He's like, I just put <laughs> yeah. this in the mirror, you know, with a hand yeah. mirror and a scalpel. I'm good. It's like contouring. I invented that. <laughs> that was me. I have another one. Yeah. Uh, it's called the perfect bride colon wedding bells. The perfect bride colon wedding bells. Yeah. Oh. Former marriage counselor turned fitness instructor. Good Lord woman. She's got, <laughs> wait a minute. Former marriage, marriage counselor, counselor turned fitness instructor. Cause she knows that's where all the problems lie. Really? Yes. And as you get older, that's definitely the trajectory. You don't start out as a fitness instructor and then settle into a career that's a little more sedentary. No, the other way. The other way around. Right. (laughs) The other way around. Um, So Molly White, that's her name, has built a popular brand brand of workout classes while her successful wedding photographer boyfriend, Nick, is branching out into art photography. You know what that means? Yeah. The nudies. He's doing nudies. nudies. With ladies. (laughs) Uh, Molly and Nick are very much in love and about to take the plunge by getting married, but life's complexities combined with wedding planning are making their trip to the altar a challenge. And that makes sense because as a wedding photographer who's very successful, you probably wouldn't know anybody who could help you plan your wedding. Not at all. Nobody owes you a favor. Right. You know, you don't have any contacts in that arena. Right. Totally makes sense. When thoughts of postponement crop up, can this perfectly match bride and groom work together to make their wedding happen? I'm going to guess yes, because it's Hallmark. Yeah. Um, starring Pascal Hutton and Cobbin Smith. So Who's naming think, their kids Pascal? I don't know. These Ms. days. Ms. Hutton. Mr. and Mrs. Hutton. But That's what are they? I, I Now I'm really just totally distracted by that name. By Pascal? Yeah. Yeah, it's a strange name for anyone. Yeah. Uh, Pascal Hutton and Cavan Smith. Cavan? Cavan. Kavan, K-A-V-A-N, Kavan Smith. So yeah, that simply Kevin wouldn't do. No, (laughs) that's his real name, Kavan. Okay. (laughs) I don't know what uh, what culture that's from. Although I was, you know, if I didn't see it, I'd be like, it sounds like a brother. Uh, Okay. I see what you mean, but it's like yeah, Pascal and Kavan. I don't know. Uh, 
So yeah, the perfect bride wedding bells. This one seems pretty open and shut. Like I, I don't have any fear that they won't be married. Yeah, they're not afraid. Be, they're they're there not doesn't seem to be a B story at all. <laughs> there's not like there's no one else in this movie but them. Why are they dancing around the periphery of like marriage? She's like a marriage counselor, and now she's like fitness, and she's got the photographer, ma- and, and, or whatever. Yeah. He's a marriage photographer, a wedding photographer. Yeah. She's, a, well, a marriage photographer would be weird. That'd be a weird job. <laughs> you just got to be there. I'm your, you know what your marriage needs? A marriage photographer. A marriage photographer. Remember this fight, guys? Remember this? <laughs> you were so mad. Look at you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know why they're dancing around it either. Maybe, oh, I get it. Uh, so she was a marriage counselor, and now she wants to do something else. He is a wedding photographer, but now he wants to do nudie pics. Okay. So maybe they're both moving away from marriage as as a way that they make their living, and they're focusing on bodies. Know, yes, they're focusing on bodies, and maybe they think that that's gonna get you know interrupted if they get married. Oh. I don't know. Well, perfectly matched bride and groom. Can they work together to make their wedding happen? Probably. All right. Yeah. Hallmark. High stakes. Truly. Worst case scenario in a Hallmark movie, no one gets married. Oh, right. Oh, my God. No, that no, that totally is the taboo in the Hallmark movie. Everyone yeah. has to get married in the Hallmark movie. That's the Hallmark thriller, right? <laughs> week. <laughs> Right. Their new channel, right. the horror and thriller movies, like left at the altar eight. <laughs> She's still <laughs> got jilted again. <laughs> yes. Oh. Like, all right. What do you have? Well, this is this is like I guess tales from the campfire, but um, oh, okay. Yeah. Can, can I do an introduction? Yes. We haven't had. Yes. Yet? So, tales from their campfires. When we get tales on the internet of the. Fake lore, folklore, ghost stories, the paranormal, creepy stuff. Oh, yeah, scary, scary things. And we retell them here around the digital campfire. So please, for the first time in a long time, gather yes, around. Yes, gather around. All right, this is something that we actually talked about when the pandemic first was announced. And we all had okay. to go on lockdown. And we were like, oh, gosh, everyone has to shelter in place, as they were saying. Which Oh, I forgot about that term, shelter in yeah, place. Yeah, which actually doesn't make sense. And even Cuomo no. was saying doesn't make sense. Shelter in place was like, there's a bomb coming, get under your desk. Yes, I like the New York pause. The New York pause. Oh, that's, that's what they're, what they're calling, calling it. it. Yeah. Yeah. New York pause. That's very New York. It's like, we're just resting for a second. Yeah, just a pause. We'll be up. Yeah, but we talked about this in the beginning when we were all, you know, waiting, trying to, you know, flatten this curve and everybody stay inside so we don't overwhelm the, the hospitals and the doctors and medical staff and everything. And that's what we were trying to do. So yeah. we were we were all at home and it said, gosh, imagine the situations. What if you were in a haunted house and you can't leave and you can't get out. What if you're quarantining with a ghost? So we thought about it. We speculated, but, and here's it actually people are reporting that they have. It took a while for the ghost. I bet you the ghosts were like, we'll just wait. They got to get out sometime. And months later, like, damn it. Yeah. (laughs) So these, you know, there's a couple of accounts here. This one, um, person, Adrian Gomez, uh, lives with his partner in Los Angeles. And the first few mm-hmm. days of sheltering in place from, um, were, they were uneventful. Um, you know, they work remotely and they did the typical things they baked, they took walks each morning, um, refinished the sink, 
but the we finished the sink. <laughs> yeah, the porcelain kitchen sink. Uh, kitchen sink okay. Whatever. It's a project. It's a project yeah. they always thought about doing. Now they're doing it. I like these guys. But then one night, the doorknob began to rattle vigorously, so loud they could hear it across the apartment, yet no one was there. Um, and then later on, when Mr. Gomez was in bed, a nearby window shade began shaking against the window frame so intensely, um, despite the fact the window was closed. And then an adjacent shade remained perfectly still. Um, the cats oh, were creepy. all accounted for. There was no bed or um, no bug or bird or any other cre creature that could have gotten stuck. There was not an earthquake. Um, he said, he goes, I, he hid under the comforter. He got so scared. Great, great, great uh, plan there, buddy. Yeah. And then they could hear footsteps above their heads, even though nobody lived above them. And he said, I'm a fairly rational person. Um, I mean, I teach like a fairly rational, <laughs> you know, I try to think what are the reasonable, tangible things that would be causing this. And then they thought maybe there's something else going on They're, You know, they're not alone. And, and so yeah. for people experiencing self-isolation, um, with what they believe is a ghost, their days are punctuated, not by like zoom meetings and homeschools, but by disembodied voices. Now <laughs> shadowy figures, misbehaving electronics, you know, things touching you and stuff, yeah. invisible things touching you. And it's like things going bump in the night and whatnot. Yeah. Now, and then free floating full torso apparitions. And it's, so it's frightening, but it's like this, there's many stories of this actually happening. And, um, and there's even another story of another guy, Patrick Hines in Manhattan. Um, he, I never think of a ghost being in an apartment. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I feel like they need more space, but you know, why not? Yeah. So these people actually, they went to, um, a little cottage in Western Massachusetts. Okay. Okay. So, say, and then he woke not up in his studio. Yeah. So he woke up around three o'clock and he walked in the kitchen and saw, um, a white man in his fifties wearing a well-worn world war two military uniform and cap sitting at the table. Again, he was in upstate New York though. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Get out of your bubble. Yeah, right. <laughs> and when he looked away, the guy, it was, and he looked back, it was, he was gone. I was like, why'd you even look away? There's a guy sitting there, you know? Okay, that's what, the same thing with the guy who put his head under the covers. Like, I'm not breaking eye contact with anything. Yeah. We're, I mean, best case scenario, they get freaked out by me and run. Yeah. Right. But I'm definitely not going to look away. You know, yeah. like, I'm not going to be, I'm going to stare the other thing down. Yeah. So it's, it's, they were saying that they've seen like, so there's now a spike in people reporting this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And so it, he, and one scientist said he saw this once before in 1999, right before Y2K. And it was a spike okay. in reported ghosts and poltergeist activity and UFO sightings because we're, we're all in a heightened state of anxiety and hypervigilance. So yeah. now you're really looking for these things. So it could be that, um, now that you're there, there are things that are totally explainable when the sun comes up and the house starts to warm up, we're usually at work and we're not used to hearing bricks pop and wood expand because we're not around when the house makes those noises and we've, or we've never had time to notice it. We're so busy. So, and it was been louder too in a lot of places. It's, it's so quiet in cities now that yeah. you're hearing things. Right? Yeah. And then there's another one. Um, there's another account here, Janie Cohen. She believes she was haunted since college and she calls her ghost Matthew because it's a good biblical name, she says. And okay. um, <laughs> he, sure. he would, 
like normally he he was on his on good behavior but he made his presence known in their home through like by running up and down the staircases at night and it's not house settling noise it's not like cats walking around it's very clearly something trying to get their attention um so now that her husband now they're home all the time and she's a nurse so she goes to work and then he, the, the husband sleeps in another room so she can get her rest when she comes back. And it's the whole, you know, you know, that, that thing. Um, but the Matthew, who is the spirit, doesn't appreciate it. And so he will, he, he doesn't want to, um, so what he, he doesn't like this whole, like them being at home all the time, especially the husband being at home all the time. So Matthew known for that. Yeah. <laughs> So what he does when the husband is in the shower, he'll just turn off the hot water. Like, and you actually, he says, he, you see the hot water no, no, nozzle, it's like turned off and suddenly it's a blast of cold water. So it's not just a quirk in the plumbing where just cold water runs through or something, the hot water mm -hmm. stops. It actually gets turned. Um, yeah, I might move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and things like doors, people are others. Other people are saying doors are slamming for no reason. Towels just are on the floor suddenly, you know. <laughs> what? Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you about that. That's been happening here in my apartment. <laughs> and it's not ghosts. It's just like, you know, when you're in a place for such a long time, you start getting casual about things. Yeah. And normally when I would be hanging up the towel, I'd probably be really careful about it. But now I'm like, eh. Right. And it's not as you know, precise as you were doing it before. Yeah, it's not as... Yeah, it's not as precise. It's not as secure. I probably also have been in the shower a really long time. The towel's very wet. You know, like there's just, I haven't been as conscientious. Yeah. I've never noticed towels on the floor until this pandemic. Huh. Or now it's like every day. And it's not, it's not Greg, you know. And it's not it's me. It's you. Okay. Yeah, it's me. All right. I can tell because we have different towels. So it's just like, oh, you know, you're casually putting it there. It's not exactly yeah. balanced. Yeah. And you're using the towels a lot more, so it's not exactly like yeah, you're going usually through that. I'm, yeah. I'm showering more like at the gym or other places, you know. My schedule is different. But you're not and you're not you're you're somewhere else and using the bathroom and like you're yeah. at home using the bathroom all the time, drying your hands. All the time. And you're constantly, constantly brushing by the towels. Yeah. Um, mm. but they also say other people are, are like things are moving. Like the keys are moved to strange new place or you know, so things are being moved around the apartment. Um, uh, you know, so some of that is happening to people, but that's also kind of like, I say, you know, we're days are melding into <laughs> one day is yeah. melding into the next. Sometimes you just do things and then you're, you're not as anchored in what you're doing because our schedules are so different now. I've, I found myself making, I've always been a list maker, but not for basic things. And now I find myself making lists for things that I would ordinarily remember to do because the days kind of blur together. Like uh, Also, the other day I went out, I went to the dentist. It was my first time going out. Um, to the, you yeah. know, other than walking around and things like that, like going out and doing something. I forgot how to pack my purse. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> like So I got halfway out the door. I'm like, there's not shit in here. There's like a book in here. <laughs> so like... There was like a book, a pair of something, like, you know, some a scarf was in there. And you're like, what is... <laughs> because it was March, you know, when the lockdown That's was. right. That's right. My my wallet is 
I've been keeping it by the door because if I go somewhere, go to the bodega, I just grab it. I'm not going that far. Right. We're not, not using really our, our purses anything. or anything. Yeah. Like we were before. So then I packed the damn thing and then it was heavy. You're like, I've been carrying this heaviness around <laughs> yes. this whole time. Oh my God. Yep. I had not real. I'm like, why? And I have all this stuff that I don't, you know, necessarily need. It was an interesting experience. Yeah. To think about what do I need just to walk out the door? Yeah. Because, yeah, like in, during the whole lockdown, you're really not going anywhere. You just take a credit yeah. card and go yep. and your keys. Take a credit card and ID. Yeah. Um, if I'm going locally, just my credit card. You know, I know all the merchants here and, you know. Right. So, yeah, it was it was interesting. Yeah, so. I have all this stuff. Yeah, it's like, so, you know, I don't know, things getting moved around, but are you doing it enough? Yeah. Not thinking about and it. And forgetting, because your routine is interrupted. So maybe you're picking up your keys going out and then putting your keys down somewhere where you wouldn't ordinarily. Yeah. Cause you're not doing it every day. Right. So another person says they, um, uh, in the bathroom in the middle of the night, they saw a woman. She was, um, congrats. Yeah. <laughs> she appeared to be glowing and then she vanished when he turned on the light. Um, so people are, are and then another one, this couple is subleasing. They, they spotted a ghost in the apartment they both agreed they saw an older Asian woman of small stature. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Another guy was in bed and, uh, you know, the, the comforter was just like a little bit too small. And um, he woke to feel what felt like his wife adjusting the blanket over his feet to spread it evenly across the bed. And mm-hmm. so he, the movement stopped and he didn't feel her getting into bed and he called down to her and she didn't answer because she was like in the bathroom. So something else was in the room straightening out the blanket over his feet. Still helping him out. Yeah. But they were trying to, yeah, that's what he, they say that is they were trying to make the couple feel more comfortable, <laughs> which is nice. But if it's the kind of thing where, again, the other ghost was like, dude, don't do it. Like they can do that themselves. It's like, no, I just want to fix it. Yeah. It's like, you're going to cause trouble. Yeah. <laughs> don't. They didn't know we were here. Now they're going to know because they're here all yeah, the time now. now. Free. They don't know that we're good. Yeah. You know, another phenomenon they're saying this could be a side effect of the loneliness of our time. Um, when you're physically okay. confined and you're psychologically confined, so the world narrows and you're trapped at home and you need human contact, and it's comforting to think that there's somebody there with you. You know, it is some people are like ah, saying, okay. you know, it, like an imaginary friend, yeah, and they're like, okay. oh, somebody else is here, and it's not, you know. It's not malevolent. Right. I'm just not alone. So this other woman, Danielle, she's a lawyer, and she says um, she first experienced the strange activity activity, um, when she walked into her guest bedroom, and she found a a particular lamp turned on, although she had no memory of leaving it that way. And it happened Mm -hmm. again and again, so this lamp lamp kept going on. And then she said out loud on a whim, don't turn that back on. And so then the next time she entered the room, she found the ceiling light on, which she never switches on blazing so it's like oh you don't want that light on i'll turn on this light yeah look i gotta have a light on is the point yeah (laughs) um so it's like you know this is there's a a ton of these stories that are that are happening um i mean i haven't i've never seen anything in my life that i would even remotely theorize as a paranormal yeah um, but if I did see something, oh, I'm moving. Yeah. Because I don't think I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to think whatever it is. I saw something. It was definitely real. It's in my apartment. I didn't let it in. Yeah. 
I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. So they say like, look, if you, if you feel like you're experiencing any of these kinds of things or anything is off, then start like making, um, get a notebook and yeah. make a note of the, what happens and what time and all of that. Don't, what it is. don't panic because you'll probably find out that it's, you know, it's something else. And you can, I think sometimes people underestimate how strong the mind is. Yeah. You can see almost anything. Yeah. You know? But if you realize that you hear a strange noise at 2.50 in the morning, every morning, but like, and it's scaring you and you're like tired. And if you keep track of it, then you'll realize one day that it's, oh, really just the, the garbage truck that goes yeah, by at that time. Yeah, actually something's yeah. happening. Yeah. So, cause you, you, you know, keep in mind that you're tired, you're, you know, or exhausted or, you know, stressed out or something. And you could be interpreting these things as to being something else. Also, be careful who you tell. That's one of the things that always angers me about films where something, you know, something paranormal happens and the person immediately starts telling everyone. I'm like, if you tell, start telling a lot of people, they're going to think there's something wrong with you. Yeah. So, you know, keep it to yourself. <laughs> And do some investigation. Right, right. Then tell someone who is not going to have a bizarre reaction to it. Right. You know? Yeah. So that's basically the tale. So that was something that we talked about in the beginning. And sure enough, people have their stories. Yeah, it's going on now. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Hey You Know It. Stay in touch with us during the week. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Tumblr. Go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on an upcoming show regardless of content. As always, we love your emails. Send us an email at heyyouknowit at gmail.com with your comments, questions, and segment ideas. Emails will also be read on upcoming shows. Please tell your friends about us because you know we don't advertise. And let them know we can be found on iTunes at stitcher.com and at heyyouknowit.com. Thanks.